0: That is in the second set. The loops shall be opposite one another. And you shall make fifty clasps of gold, and couple the curtains one to another with the clasps, so the tabernacle may be a single whole. You shall also make curtains of goat's hair for a tent over the tabernacle. Eleven curtains shall you make. The length of each curtain shall be thirty cubits, and the breadth of each curtain four cubits. The 11 cubits shall be of the same size. You shall couple five curtains by themselves and six curtains by themselves, and the sixth curtain you shall double over at the front of the tent. You shall make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost in one set, and 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost on the second set. You shall make 50 clasps of bronze and put the clasps into the loops. And, get, and couple the tent together that it may be a single hole. The part that remains of the curtains of the tent, the half curtain that remains, shall hang over the back of the tabernacle. And the extra that remains in the length of the curtains, the cubit on the one side and the cubit on the other side, shall hang over the sides of the tabernacle on this side and on that side to cover it. And you shall make a tent... You shall make for the tent a covering of tanned ram's skins and a covering of goat skin on top. You shall make upright frames for the tabernacle of acacia wood. Ten cubits shall be the length of a frame, and a cubit and a half the breadth of each frame. There shall be two tenons on each frame for fitting together. You shall do for all the frames of the tabernacle. You shall make the frames for the tabernacle, twenty frames for the south side and 40 bases of silver you shall make under the 20 frames. Two bases under one frame for its two tenons, and two bases under the next frame for its two tenons. For the second side of the tabernacle on the north side, 20 frames. And there are 40 bases of silver, two bases under one frame and two bases under the next frame. And for the rear of the tabernacle westward, you shall make six frames. And you shall make two frames for corners of the tabernacle in the rear. They shall be separate beneath, but joined at the top, at the first ring. Thus shall it be with both of them. They shall form two corners. And there shall be eight frames with their bases of silver, sixteen bases, two bases under one frame, and two bases under another frame. You shall make bars of acacia wood, five for the frames of the one side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the frames of the other side of the tabernacle and five bars for the frames of the side of the tabernacle near the rear westward. The middle bar, halfway up the frame, shall run from end to end. You shall overlay the frames with gold and shall make their rings of gold for holders for bars. And you shall overlay the bars with gold. Then you shall erect the tabernacle according to the plan that was shown you on the mountain. And you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen." It shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it. And you shall hang it on the four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold, with hooks of gold on four bases of silver. And you shall hang the veil from the clasps and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the veil. And the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy. You shall put the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. And you shall set the table outside the veil and the lamp stand on the south side of the tabernacle opposite the table. And you shall put the table on the north side. You shall make a screen for the entrance of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen embroidered with needlework. And you shall make for the screen five pillars of acacia, overlay them with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold and you shall cast f- five bases of bronze for them. And now we pick up the reading at chapter 27, verse 9. 27, verse 9. You shall make the court of the tabernacle. On the south side, the court shall have hangings of fine twined linen, a hundred cubits long for one side. Its 20 pillars and their 20 bases shall be of bronze, but the hooks of the pillars and their fillets shall be of silver. And likewise, for its length on the north side, there shall be hangings a hundred cubits each, it's pillars 20 and their bases 20 of bronze, but the hooks of the pillars and their fillets shall be of silver. And for the breadth of the court on the west side, there shall be hangings for 50, uh, for 50 cubits with 10 pillars and 10 bases. The breadth of the court on the front of the east shall be 50 cubits. The hanging for the one side of the gate shall be 15 cubits with their three pillars and three bases. On the other side the hanging shall be 15 cubits with their three pillars and three bases. For the gate of the court there shall be a screen 20 cubits long of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen embroidered with needlework. It shall have four pillars and with them four bases. All the pillars around the court shall be filleted with silver. Their hooks shall be of silver and their bases of bronze. The length of the court shall be 100 cubits, the breadth 50 and the height five cubits. With hangings of fine twined linen and bases of bronze, all the utensils of the tabernacle for every use and all its pegs and all the pegs of the court shall be of bronze. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, as I mentioned this morning and once again this evening, we are beginning a new series of sermons tonight a series that I am very excited about as I have been studying this for the last several weeks, a series which will look at the tabernacle and its furnishings in the Old Testament. As you uh, know by the scripture reading we just had, the tabernacle is described in great detail in the book of Exodus. In fact, from chapter 25 to chapter 40 in Exodus, there are only three chapters that do not give instructions about the temple or its furnishings or the priesthood with the tabernacle. The temple, the tabernacle, its furnishings, and the priesthood that serves in the tabernacle. Now think about that. In Genesis... The creation of the heavens and the earth and everything they contain is told in two chapters. Here we have over ten describing the tabernacle and its furnishings. Surely, the Holy Spirit has a message for us in these chapters of the book of Exodus. It it, it is an opportunity for us to learn about God through this picture that he gives. It is my prayer that this, this series be more than just a series on Jewish history, but that it have application to the Christian church as in the tabernacle we have pictured for us the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I provided you this morning in the bulletin with a small diagram. Uh, Perhaps those were available tonight. I'm not sure. Uh, I encourage you to just stick that in your Bible or keep it with you. It may be a helpful reference for us. I will admit readily, uh, I did make some interpretive choices in putting that diagram together. It's amazing with all the detail that we have about the tabernacle, there are still some questions about exactly how it was arranged. And and just to give you a sense of the size that we're talking about, I have the dimensions uh, listed there as 150 feet uh, long and then uh, 75 feet wide. Um, I'm sure that our Building and Grounds Committee knows the exact numbers, but just approximately, approximately, if you go from that wall of the church all the way to the back wall of the Fellowship Hall, so all the way the length of this building, it's about 150 feet. So we're talking about this, this, this court that's, that's 150 feet long, about as long as our church is. And in terms of 75 feet wide, this this building's a little less than 75 feet, but if you added the foyer to it, that's about 75 feet or so. So we're talking about about a structure as long as our church from end to end and and as wide as our church from one wall into the foyer and and what that would be like. That's the size we're looking at. Tonight, we're going to look somewhat generally at the tabernacle, and in the days and weeks to come, more specifically at the tabernacle. The first thing we notice is that the tabernacle uh, was built after a divine pattern. Specific instructions were given, and by divine pattern, I don't only mean that the pattern came from God, that certainly is a divine pattern, but it is a pattern that is patterned on heaven itself. If you have your Bible open yet, turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews is a wonderful commentary on Old Testament matters. Hebrews chapter 9 describes the earthly holy place, describes the tabernacle for us. And then when we get to verse 11 of Hebrews 9, it says this, But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places. Pick up the reading at verse 23. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things To be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. The earthly tabernacle was a copy of heaven. Go back just to chapter chapter 8 in Hebrews. 8, verse 3. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices, thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. Verse 5. These priests, they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. The earthly tabernacle was patterned after heaven itself. Children, if you want to know what heaven looks like, then listen to these sermons about the tabernacle. Because the tabernacle was a copy, was a shadow of the reality of heaven. Heaven, the place where God dwells, the tabernacle, the place where God would dwell. It was an earthly model of a heavenly reality. And as such, it also points us to the work of Jesus Christ. It helps to reveal Christ to us. Now when we talk about the scriptures revealing Christ, we often talk about two things. We talk about symbolism and we talk about typology. Symbolism is when God gives us a picture that has immediate significance to those who saw it. So, for example, when a, a sacrifice for sin was made, and they saw the shedding of the blood, it was an immediate picture to them that through this shedding of blood, their sins would be forgiven. That's a symbol. When the high priest laid his hands on the scapegoat as a picture of the transfer of their sins, that's a symbol, an immediate application to what was going on. Typology is more than a symbol. It is more than immediate application. Typology looks forward to the future and has application to the work of Christ. So in the shedding of the sin offering, that blood not only was a symbol for them, but it was a type Of Christ who was to come, who would shed his own blood. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who sheds his blood for the sins of the world. That's typology. Now, symbol and typology. We have to be very careful. Uh, Some of the books I have been consulting uh, play a bit fast and loose uh, with the symbolism play a bit fast and loose with the typology. They see symbol and typology everywhere. As as a general rule of thumb, just a rule of thumb, something needs to be a symbol before it can be a type. Otherwise, we end up with the type of interpretation we call allegorical interpretation, where you just kind of fill the text with the content you want. You make the picture say what you want, and there's no restraint on what takes place. We will try to be very restrained as we look at the tabernacle and its furnishings. And, and observe the symbols and see the types and how they point forward to the work of Jesus Christ, the tabernacle built by divine pattern. It was built with detailed instructions, and we hear that again and again in our text tonight. In chapter 25, verse 9, we read this, exactly As I show you, concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all its furnishings, so shall you make it. Chapter 25, verse 40. And see that you make them after the pattern for them which has been shown you on the mountain. Chapter 26, verse 30, we have these words there. Then you shall erect the tabernacle according to the plan for it that you were shown on the mountain. Again, from chapter 27, verse 8, It has been shown you on the mountain, so shall it be made. Detailed instructions for what was to, to be inside the tabernacle. When Moses describes the tabernacle and its furnishings to us, he really describes it uh, from the inside out. He begins with the things in the most holy place, and then the holy place, and then the courtyard, and then the tent. We're going to look at these things from the outside in. Because it gives us a beautiful picture of how it is we are to approach God. So if you, if you have that little diagram or just can imagine in your head, that diagram uh, talks about a, or shows a gate on the east side of the tabernacle, chapter 27, verse 16. 27, verse 16 says this, For the gate of the court there shall be a screen, 20 cubits long, of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, embroidered with needlework. It shall have four pillars and each of them four bases. Now I don't think there is anything symbolic about 20 cubits long for the opening. I don't think there is anything symbolic about four pillars at the bases of this gate. There may be something symbolic in the fact that this courtyard into the tabernacle had only one door. There was one entrance, one means by which they could approach God. I said that there may be symbolism there. There may be a symbolism in the fact that this door is on the east of the courtyard. When Adam and Eve were driven out of the Garden of Eden, which, were, which way were they driven? They were driven to the east. To go east is to go away from the presence of God. To enter from the east is to come toward the presence of God. I say that there may be symbolism in that the door was on the east, entering from the east toward God's presence and just... As an aside, children, where did the wise men come from seeking Jesus? Wise men came from the east to find God. Symbolism? Possibly. Certainly interesting to think about. A gate, a door on the east, that they might approach God. And then the first thing they would encounter is that bronze altar, an altar for burnt offering, an altar for the general removal of of their sins. Following that bronze basin, they would, a bronze altar, they'd come to the bronze basin, a basin for washing, a basin for cleansing, a picture of the new life that they had being spiritually renewed as they entered into God's presence. Those first two pieces of furniture in the courtyard. Then then they came to the tabernacle proper. That inner area. In in this holy place, as the priest would walk in, on his right he would see a table and the bread of presence. Bread. Bread. The provision of God for his people. On his left, he would see the lampstand, a light, a light for the area so the priest could do their work. And as they look straight ahead, they would see that golden altar of incense, the prayers being offered to God, pictured in the incense. Beyond that holy place, they would come to the most holy place. And inside was the ark of God with the mercy seat on top, that picture of the throne of God. And and there's no light in this room because the glory of God fills the room. The tabernacle was a picture of, of how to approach God approaching Him through the removal of our sins, being washed with the blood at the altar, being washed with the Spirit at the basin. It approaches a God who is the sustainer of His people and the God who hears the prayers of His people. And He is the God who sits enthroned and dwells in light unapproachable. It's a picture of the entrance into approaching God and to get an appreciation for His holiness. As, and we see that even in the materials used in the tabernacle. As you approach God, the materials get more glorious. The court and the outer tent. We read in chapter 27, verse 9 The court and the outer tent. You shall make the court of the tabernacle on the south side. The court shall have hangings of fine twine linen, 100 cubits long for one side. Its 20 pillars and their 20 bases shall be of bronze, but the hooks of the pillars and the fillet shall be of silver. So this courtyard. "...has a tent of fine linen, but no color listed, just just regular old fine linen, with bronze bases and silver hooks. The door, the entrance by which you would approach God," that's in chapter 27, verse 16, the gate of the court shall be of 20 cubits of blue and purple and scarlet yarns of fine twine linen embroidered with needlework. It shall have four pillars and their four bases. The pillars around them are silver and the base is gold, uh, bronze. So now at the door, at the entrance to, to the presence of God, we have color. Not just plain, not just the, 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 the linen around the, around the edge of the courtyard, but this entrance to God is a colorful entrance, a more glorious entrance. The tabernacle proper, that, 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 that inner sanctuary in chapter 26, verse 1. Moreover, you shall make a tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined linen, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and you shall make cherubim skillfully woven in them. As they enter and get closer to the presence of God, now not just the color, but the color with cherubim, with angels embroidered to lift their minds to heaven itself. This is a copy of heaven. And the closer you get to God, the more glorious the picture is. The the clasps in the tabernacle were of gold. In the courtyard, they were of silver. The materials are more glorious as you get closer to God. And I know it's kind of hard to keep track of everything going on here. But chapter 26, verse 7. You shall make curtains of goat's hair for a tent over the tabernacle. Eleven curtains you shall make. This this is such a special place, there are coverings that go over it. Uh, this is where God dwells. And, and to keep it special, there's not only the, the glorious uh, uh, curtains around it, but there's curtains over the curtains. And then, chapter 26, verse 14, says this, And you shall make for the tent a covering of tanned ram skins and a covering of goatskins on top. For the tent there's a tent. The special care taken with this, this place near the presence of God. The planks of the, of the inner tabernacle overlaid with gold and bases of silver. In the courtyard, they were a silver with bases of bronze. As you get closer to God, the, the materials get more glorious. The courtyard, a bronze altar, a bronze basin. The tabernacle, gold overlaid table and altar and lampstands. And in the ark itself, gold inside and gold outside. All this detail, not given to us simply to try our patience. I may have tried your patience tonight with the scripture reading, perhaps with the sermon as well. We'll find out later. Uh, But these these things, not not to try our patience, but to teach us a lesson. A lesson about what it is to approach God. God. And that reminds us of the glorious purpose of the tabernacle. It was the dwelling place of God with his people. Chapter 25, verse 8. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Let them make me this this tent that I may dwell in their midst. Now, children, God doesn't need a tent to dwell in. God is the God who rules over heaven and earth, who cannot be contained in a physical dwelling. This tent was not so God had a place to dwell. This tent was so the people would know God was with them. The tabernacle was in their midst as a physical, visible reminder that God dwells with his people. If you read, uh, maybe later tonight or tomorrow, in Numbers chapter 2, this, when, the, when Israel traveled, this tabernacle was to be set up in the middle of the camp. The camps camped around it. God in the midst of his people. A picture. A visible reminder that God dwells with them in their midst. The tabernacle for the people. A reminder of God's presence. And so we see why, why the gospel writer John picks up this imagery when speaking about Jesus Christ. We looked at this, uh, this section of John in our Advent series uh, this past year. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 14, speaking of Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word there is tabernacled. The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. His glory, His greatness, His majesty, far beyond the beauty of this earthly tabernacle. We're going to look at this, and it must have been a beautiful thing to see. But the glory of Jesus Christ outshines the tabernacle. Jesus Christ full of grace and truth. A grace sufficient to save each and every one of His his own. A truth to the promises of Scripture. That God would have a people who He would call His own and He would dwell with them. That visible reminder of God in the midst of His people. We have that today when we gather as the church of God. We gather in his presence. He is here in our midst. The church, that visible reminder that God continues to dwell in the midst of his people. And this this picture, this picture to call out. To call out to say, God is still at work. His His grace is not done with. His grace is still Sufficient to save each and every one of his own. And so he calls out tonight and says, embrace not the tabernacle, but that to which the tabernacle pointed. Embrace Jesus Christ, the one who's done everything necessary, the one who is full of grace and truth to accomplish the finished work of God. And know the glory of being being a part of that visible people of God where God dwells in the midst of those whom he has chosen. We're going to look in the next several weeks together at the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Not a series on Old Testament history, but a series for the New Testament Christian church. As we see how the tabernacle itself speaks to our approach to God, as we see how the furnishings point us to the finished work of Jesus Christ. May God use these Old Testament pictures, these images, these types, to show us the glory and the beauty of what He has done in His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord our God, we do thank you for the Old Testament scriptures. Those descriptions